Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Tuesday. Trent Condon running solo with you again this after, uh, this morning as we talk the world of sports. Busy program, though, on a Tuesday as we start to peek forward at college basketball season. Yes, we are eight days away from the official start of college basketball season as we await. When is Cyhawk going to be played? Maybe more importantly, if Cyhawk is going to be played. Still no official word on that schedule. We'll get into that. We'll talk about college hoops in a whole new level as the NCAA tournament will be played. Looks like Indianapolis will be the destination. Still some uh, hoops to jump through to make that all come to fruition, but a lot to talk about in college basketball as we take a look just over a week away. One of the most anticipated college basketball seasons, certainly for the Iowa Hawkeyes. You and I has a chance to be great again this season in the MVC. Drake, another good run in them, perhaps, in the Missouri Valley and Iowa State. A great unknown, but as we talked about a little bit yesterday with Dave Sproul, I really like those individual pieces. I also like them last year, and, and they didn't fit together well as we saw the season. Tyrese Halliburton's injury, a big part of that, but Big Four basketball in the state of Iowa, the national landscape, we'll get into that here today. Monday Night Football, plenty to get into with that. A dreadful performance out of the Chicago Bears as they lose at 19-13 to the Vikings. The Vikings now at three in a row, sitting at four and five. And is there a window open that they can sneak in to get into the playoffs? We'll break that down and take a look at the team up north and the team we have waiting for you on KXNO throughout Sundays in the football season. Lots there. Jeff Hughes is going to be our first guest today on the BMW Des Moines guest list. We'll talk Monday night football with him. Get the Bears' perspective in. What more can be done? What can be done with this team, with this organization that is an absolute tire fire? A team that was 5-1 and one and now sits at 500. And what's more likely? This team's a playoff team or they just lose out? I think it's the latter. But we'll get into that with Jeff Hughes and a whole lot more here at about 10-25. Mention college basketball. Just heard back from Rob Doster. He's going to try to join us here at about 10-45. Hope we can get Rob on. Heard him last week. He was on Murph and Andy. He was talking about... His other new side gig as he's uh, writing BetRivers.com and uh, doing some sports wagering, something that he's always been a big fan of, and maybe that's why Rob and I have gotten along so well throughout the years. But hopefully get Rob in here. He's doing a podcast. He's got a new podcast network for college basketball fans. Just some incredible things that he's doing there, and uh, we hope you track him down here at about 10.45, 10.50. Quick hit, get some thoughts on Iowa and uh, some national thoughts on the news from yesterday of Indianapolis possibly being the destination for all 68 teams making their way there. Then the 11 o'clock hour will begin things with some sports wagering talk. 
my friend Chris Andrews. He is the sportsbook director out of the South Point Casino in Vegas. We'll take a look at the Kansas State-Iowa line. We'll take a look at the Iowa-Penn State line. Where's the early money coming in Excuse me. this week? We'll talk to him about that. And also what it's like being a bookmaker during a pandemic. This is unprecedented times for any walk of life. But from him, for what we do, for what we talk about, and I think what the listeners enjoy, really want to get his perspective on that. Chris, a great guy, somebody that has battled COVID, and he's bounced back even with some uh, some issues that he has had health-wise. So get his perspective a little bit on what he's been going through out at the South Point, what it's been, what the walk-up crowds have been during all of this. Really excited to get Chris back on here, and we'll talk with him to begin the second hour. Then Zuba Mahete from ESPN wasn't able to join us last week in his normal Tuesday spot, but he will be here uh, with us today at 1125. We'll talk to Zuba with so much going on in basketball. We mentioned the NCAA side, NBA draft. That happens tomorrow night. All the trade rumors, all the movement happening in the NBA. We'll talk NFL. We'll talk college football. It's Zuba Mahente. We'll talk about anything in the world of sports, and he has us covered. And then we'll get out of here with Mr. Maction trying to hand you a winner coming up here at the end of the program. It's a busy one lined up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. And as always, you can join me here, 515 284 Five nine six six two eight four KXNO. Your thoughts on what is happening in the world of sports? Love to hear from you. Running solo today. Be patient with me. I'll try to get to you though. If you do, dial us up, and I will get you on the program here today. Well, let's start with what we saw last night in Monday Night Football. Mentioned the dreadful performance out of that Bears offense. It was about as ugly of a performance as you can see, especially into the second half of the game. Just some absolutely devastating numbers. And Nick Foles, I was on him last night. I thought possibly that Foles was going to come out with Bill Lazor, the offensive coordinator, finally calling plays that they were they were going to do some things that looked different, and they did. They looked different. It didn't look good, but it did look a little bit different. I guess credit due there. But ultimately, you don't have a quarterback. You don't have a chance. This Bears defense is really good. And the way that they're taxed, and the amount of time they have to spend on the field, and knowing going into seemingly any game, you have to be pretty much perfect. You have to be at a level that is unsustainable. And to have to go through that time in and time out, week in and week out, has to be taxing. Their numbers are not the best defense in the league, depending on where you're looking. DVOA, if you're a believer in the analytical side of things, or you're just taking a look at net yardage. They're not the best defense in the league. But this is a very good defense, but they're doing it without any help on the other side. An offensive line for the Bears that has been decimated. Cody Whitehair has been banged up. James Daniels was lost. Remember, this offensive line, the first three, four weeks of the season before the injury started to pile up, was actually playing at a very high level. A lot of people want to point to the construction of this team and point the blame at Ryan Pace. Well, I've been in front of that for years now. I don't think this is anything new to go after Ryan Pace. This isn't, you found the magic, magic elixir all of a sudden, and, oh, Arika, here's the problem. This has been a problem for a long time. There is a difference between being a scout, being able to identify talent, and actually building a team. And this has been the problem with him as a general manager. He doesn't know how to build a team. He can spot talent. 
He can bring some guys in. He's had a couple of late-round guys that have worked incredibly well. Now, you also argue most everybody in the NFL hits on a few of those lottery tickets from time to time. It's not a reason to give a guy a job. It's not a guy reason to let the guy run a team. But this has been happening for quite a while. Matt Nagy, you look at the overall record. Matt Nagy is over 500 as a coach. Year one, excellent. Loses in the double doink. Year two, injuries piled up. Still, even in that year, they go 7-9. and nine, And this year, it's probably trending in the same kind of direction. Not atrocious. But this is an offensive-minded guy that wouldn't give up play-calling duties. Finally does last night, and it's a disaster. Is the problem really there? Is this a Matt Nagy problem? Is this a Ryan Pace problem? I don't believe so. This goes a lot higher and a lot deeper than that. Virginia McCaskey, the owner of the Bears, she has said for a long time she wants to see another championship before she goes. Well, Virginia's in her 90s, and this team isn't close. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like she's going to see that. Now, still in excellent health. Before the pandemic, was still traveling all the games. So maybe she will. And, and the NFL, things can turn around very quickly. But this goes higher than the general manager and the head coach. And Virginia McCaskey is not a hands-on owner. It's her sons that are the day-to-day. But it's become a good old boys network. And it starts at the top with Ted Phillips, the team president. Look at the hires that he has made to run this team. From Brian Pace to Phil Emery. This has not been a well-constructed team and a well-constructed organization. This is still an organization that is mired in old way of thinking, of old way of doing things. And when you're in Chicago, and it doesn't matter how bad you are, you're going to get TV numbers, and you're going to get radio money, and you're going to be able to sell your product and the gear and everything else because it's the Chicago Bears. It's a city of big shoulders, and it's always going to work financially. But on the football side, it hasn't worked. Jay Cutler was okay. Jay Cutler got them to an NFC Championship game. They've had decent quarterback play with him, but it was just that decent. They didn't put the right weapons around him. They didn't build the team the correct way for his talents. And guy was aloof and a pain in the ass. And there were more headlines about him off the field than there were about the great play on the field. Million-dollar arm, 10-cent head. That was Jay Cutler as a football player. I like Jay Cutler. I get a kick out of the guy. Would like him more, probably in a different organization, as opposed to the one that I cheer for. Full disclosure, yes, if you can't tell now, I am a Bears fan. But Ted Phillips has struck out. He's 0 for 3 in hiring GMs. So if you're really going to rebuild this thing, and you're really going to start from the ground up, it's not the head coach, it's not the GM. Those guys will be out regardless. But you got to go higher than that. I think you got to go to Phillips, and you got to go to that good old boys network that has been created in order to turn this around. To the game and what we saw. The Bears drive. Drives after their 70-yard drive in the first quarter. They had the football seven times. This is what they did with the football seven times. 26 yards gained, 21, 3, 0, negative 5, 5, and 11. Nick Foles injured late in the game. 
They have to go to Tyler Bray because Trubisky's not available. It's not a team circling the drain. This is a team that is incredibly far down the drain. There's no coming back. This team's not coming back and sneaking into the playoffs, even if seven or eight teams, if they have added an extra week, are in the playoffs. They're not that. And that's a good thing. This team needs a cleansing of their own. They need to turn around. Let's jump over to the side. The Vikings. In a game where Dalvin Cook, again, can't get anything going against that stout Bears defense. It was a struggle again. Had one big run. Called back for a pretty ticky-tack hold call. The Vikings have won three in a row. They're pulling themselves out. And Kirk Cousins. I was one of the first people. I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I was one of the first people that told listeners before it became a national conversation leading up to his free agency, he was the piece. He was the guy that was going to be out there, and he was the guy that was going to take the Minnesota Vikings to the next level. He was going to be the guy that could take this great roster. Rick Spielman, that's a guy I want to build a team. I want Rick Spielman on my side. I don't want Ryan Pace. He knows how to build a team. And even in this season that's been a disappointment and the rough start that they got off to, and they have to rebuild on the fly and injuries and opt-outs and everything that's happened with the Vikings organization still. That young defensive backfield, you're letting guys go. You're seeing Xavier Rhodes playing in Indianapolis, on and on and on. They're getting better, and he can identify talent. He can identify the players that you need to win at a level. And I thought Kirk Cousins was that final piece. I was wrong. I looked at the numbers. I watched him play in Washington, and I thought, boy, you take this guy and those numbers that he put up in Washington, and you put him with an organization like Minnesota, you're going to be a team that is a Super Bowl contender. Not quite there. We've seen him in the big spot, continue to struggle. We've seen him in playoff games, continue to struggle. As he hollered after the completion to win the game, to, for all intents and purposes, ice it away. And that visceral scream that he had, you could feel it. This is a guy that is highly intelligent. You listen to him speak. And yes, he's very measured with his words, but Kirk Cousins an intelligent guy and he knows what's being said about him and he knows about the 0-9 Monday Night Football record going into last night he knows those things and I think at times it's a detriment to him because the talent is there we've seen this guy put up huge yard totals we've seen this guy throw big touchdowns we've seen this from Kirk Cousins for a long time now is he that final piece he wasn't I missed on that one I was wrong. But he's good enough to be what they are. And maybe he's good enough for an organization that looks at the draft coming up this year, that has an opportunity to not go out and get the Trevor Lawrences and the Justin Fields of the world, and even the Trey Lances. But that next group of guys, maybe it's Zach Wilson at BYU. A guy that you draft in the second round, maybe middle, late, first, whatever it turns out to be. And you have another year, Kirk Cousins, and another year to rebuild that defense, and especially the defensive backfield. And Harrison Smith, that dude, oh man, he has been playing at such a high level for such a long time, and he did it again last night. But you rebuild, you have the guy in Zimmer still there that knows how to coach that side. I like what they've done offensively, the evolution of that offense from what we saw at the beginning of the year to what they are today. They're 4-5. and five. It's still a long, long way back. 
If you're the Vikings, this is what you have going forward. After this week, the Monday night win, it is, where's the schedule here? I got it right here. There it is. Dallas, win. Carolina, at home, win. Jacksonville, win. And then you finish up three of your last four on the road. Tampa, okay, tough. The Bears, we saw that one. At New Orleans, tough. And at Detroit to finish up. This would be a 10-6 team. Certainly 9-7 and seven is not a stretch by any means. Can't lose a dumb one now. Can't give one away against Carolina. Can't give one away against Jacksonville like the Packers almost did this weekend. Your wiggle room is gone. With the running game, with the defense improving like we've seen, winners of three in a row, it's not crazy to think. Vikings can get back into this one. Playoff picture in the NFC. We know one team will come out of the East. Is it the Giants? They sit at 3-7. and seven. Is it the Eagles? They're in first at 3-5-1. and one. Washington, Dallas, both 2-7. and seven, Still in it. All right, so there's one team there. Remember, seven get in now. Packers are in. There's two. Saints and Bucks in. There's four. Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks. All of them sit at 6-3. and three, But do you believe all three of those teams are going to get to 10-6? and six? I don't. In fact, the team that might not get there is a team that was undefeated here just a month ago, the Seattle Seahawks. The defense has been a problem. That's why every time we brought up Seattle, I continue to say, I know they're flashy, I know they're fun, but watching Russell Wilson, I watched a lot of him in that game. I was invested in that game financially, so watch a lot of that game on Sunday. And the pressure that he took, six sacks, he didn't look right. He looked flustered. He looks frustrated. And then with the defense on the back end of that, with the bad offensive line, it's not a recipe. DK Metcalf, dude's a stud. Tyler Lockett, yeah, guy's going to go make plays. They got dudes. Greg Olson, he's a shell of himself, but he's still a productive, adequate tight end. There's an opening there. There's an opening for the Vikings to get there. Will they do it? Got to keep winning. I can't afford to lose any of the games that you're supposed to win. That's what we got going on in the NFL. We're going to get back into the Bears here in just a little bit. We are going to be talking with Jeff Hughes, the Bears blog. Jeff always brings it. He is always at the forefront of conversations. He is not going to play the fan hat. He's a fan. I'm a fan. But there are real problems inside this organization. We'll talk to Jeff. We'll get into that. Also today, we got a bullseye. That's right, another opportunity for one of our listeners to win. That's coming up here in the second hour. Check out our Facebook page, 1460KXNO is where you can find it. Just search KXNO. It'll pop up, and you can see me shooting today for our Burkewood Bullseye winner for Tuesday. I'm going to be shooting for Patrick today of Des Moines, try to win him. Something big. What do we got left up on the prize wall? See a couple of hundred bucks there. A hundred bucks to Fiscus Jewelers. A couple of 50s, some 25s. So we'll hook that up here later in the program in the second hour. Check out again our Facebook page and you can find that. But if you are not Patrick, oh, don't worry. I got something for you right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. It's the $1,000 handoff from KXNO. Text the keyword BANK. To 200, 200 right now, your chance to win $1,000. It's simple. Text 
We all got cell phones. I mean, even if you're an old school flip phone guy, you can still text, right? 200, 200, text bank. It's your chance to win that $1,000. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, so we got Jeff Hughes coming up. We're going to talk to Rob Doster later this hour about college basketball, maybe a little betting with him, then deep dive into sports wagering with Chris Andrews, the sports book director at the South Point Casino in Vegas, and Zuba Mahente from ESPN. We got a lot. We got you covered here. We're talking sports, taking you up until noon. It's Miller and Conan on 1460 KXNO at 106.3 FM. Your side. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Tuesday, it's Miller and Condon on KXNO, 1460 AM and 106.3 on your FM dial. A lot on Monday Night Football to kick things off. Frustrations for the Bears fans out there, this one included. Let's get out to our favorite Bears guy. He is Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog as he joins us after yet another dreadful performance from the Bears offense. 1913, the loss to the Vikings. They lose it at home and... What was promising in some aspects with the great defense and the special teams? Once again, boy, Jeff, seems like we've had this conversation a lot. The offense still stinks. They have stunk my entire life. I am convinced now they will stink for the duration of my life. Um, And I'm just quite frankly tired of writing about, following, and supporting an organization that treats football like it's 1951. And that's what we all have to come to terms with. This, this organization has so much of their resources piled into the defense, and their, their model for winning now is they have to hold the opponent to single digits. And if you just look around the league, nobody is doing that anymore. Nobody plays football. No organization is built the way this Bears team is built. They are not just a bad offense. They are, they, are, they are going to veer on historically bad. And I don't want to hear the Jets' comparisons. The Jets sold off pieces this offseason. That is a team looking to rebuild the entire organization. That is not where the Bears are. The Bears were a team looking to contend this year. Every decision they made in this offseason was about contending this year. This is an offensive collapse. And I would be frankly surprised if people don't get fired because of it. They should be. And it's not just, to me, something as simple as you get rid of Matt Nagy, you get rid of Ryan Pace. It goes deeper than that. Look, the ownership group, starting with Virginia, who is hands-off, but her sons that run the organization, down to Ted Phillips, the president. He he has made three atrocious hires at the GM spot. I, I don't think there's any two ways about it. You look at how Phil Emery went. You look at how Ryan Pace is going. You look at the three GMs that he has hired he can't stick around. Can it go that high? Do you anticipate it will, or is this too much of a good old boys network that Ted Phillips, he's entrenched, and he isn't going anywhere? See, you have to understand what Ted's role is in the organization, and Ted is essentially running the business of the Chicago Bears. Ted doesn't make GM hires. Ted is the guy who, who brings the interviews in, but it's George who makes the final decisions mm-hmm. on these. Ted is invaluable on the business side. He has been... He has, really taken a, a back seat on the football side. They let their GMs run football operations. And let's be honest, this thing fell apart 
the second we realized Mitch Trubisky wasn't the guy. That is when you go back in history and find me GMs that survive whiffing on a quarterback in the top five picks. It doesn't happen. And what the Bears tried to do was band-aid that problem. Bring in Nick Foles under this, and listen, I bought in. I thought Nick Foles could come in and run this Matt Nagy offense that we were all told, and we were told on background, and we were told in public that Mitch wasn't running the offense. Well, if this is the offense, if this is what Matt Nagy wants us to see, there is no rationale anymore for continuing down this path. Again, I think folks don't understand. If this offense were middle of the road, if they were 17th or 16th in the league, we're talking about the top seed in the NFC. And there's no doubt about that. They just took the Saints to overtime two weeks ago. So this, is, this would be the best team in the conference. But they somehow came out of 2019's debacle and got worse. And, I, and for the life of me, they have, there's more talent. Uh, yes, the offensive line has a lot of injuries. I get it. But that happens around the league. There is more talent on this 2020 offense than was on the 2019 offense. There is no excuse for them being as bad as they are. And it all, it all now goes to the shoulders of Matt Nagy, and he has to own it. Phil Rivers was out there. Of course, Cam Newton was a conversation for a while. Andy Dalton hasn't been very good for him. They chose Nick Foles. That, that was the direction that they went. Is there any other of those free agent quarterbacks that were out there that would have changed what we're seeing with the Bears right now? No, if you watch what the, what the Patriots are doing with Cam, mm-hmm. it's pretty wild. They don't even want him to throw the ball. Yes. I mean, their whole offense there is to have him run. And it's, to some degree, it's, it's half working. Phil Rivers requires a lot of time in the pocket. I've watched all those Colts games, and that's one of the better offensive lines in the league. So that worked for Phil Rivers, even though if you watch Phil Rivers, it's not all there either. Um, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles probably would have been a push. The reason there was appeal with Foles was that he had familiarity in this structure. Doug Peterson loves Nick Foles. Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy are close. That's why Nick Foles is here. The problem is Nick Foles has been bad. There's no way around it. Uh, he has been bad. This is not what they expected to get from him. And they can't turn back to Trubisky right now because Trubisky is hurt. Who knows what happens after the bye? Who knows how injured Foles is? But what we know is that neither guy was good enough. And without a, a, a quarterback able to run whatever this offense is supposed to be, they're clearly not going to be successful. But I would, I would also add this. Someone tell me, having watched the Bears games, what the offense is supposed to be. Because I don't have any clue. I don't have any clue what they are trying to achieve when they get the ball on offense. Sometimes they're flinging it down the field. Some weeks they're throwing bombs. Some weeks Cole Komet's involved. Some weeks he's not. Some weeks it feels like Jimmy Graham's a terrific tight end. Then some weeks they completely ignore him. Last night, Cordero Patterson all of a sudden is catching balls on the outside, <laughs> taking pit. Every week, there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. There is no plan. There is no scheme. It's not surprising they're getting beat up because now opposing def- uh, defensive quarters, Mike Zimmer just decided last night, hey, just blitz them. Send more than they can block because they had no answer for it last night. It, it is a train wreck of an offense, and there's no fix coming. So if, you, if you're hopeful that this team can turn it around offensively this year, it isn't happening. There is no fix coming. And by the way, it's not going to be all that easy to fix it next year unless you scrap this program and start over. 
You know, one of the numbers that jumped out to me, I was looking at Pro Football Focus this morning, and when there was a clean pocket, clean from pressure for Foles, he goes 13 of 17. Most NFL quarterbacks can do that when they're clean of pressure. For 90 yards. Yeah. 17 attempts, 13 completions for 90 yards, and also through the interception without pressure in his face. It just, what are you trying to do? You have speed. You have a big play receiver in Allen Robinson. You have Mooney, who can stretch the field. And Cordell Patterson is a great Swiss Army knife that you can do so many different things with. It's baffling. And, and you finally give Bill Lazor the opportunity. And it looked different in the first half. It didn't look good, but it at least looked different. Still, no game plan, no idea. And ultimately, I think Matt Nagy could be a good coach somewhere. I, I do. I think there is enough there. If he takes off the reins and, and doesn't want to be a play caller, I think he can because I believe in some of the things that he says, and I think he can be a leader of men. But at this point, because of what happened with Trubisky, there's no coming back in my mind. Here's the question. I, listen, I was on this train. I was conducting the train. I had that little hat on. I had the whistle. I was all about Matt Nagy changing the locker room, mm-hmm. changing the, the, the organization. They were in such a hole when Trestman left to rebuild what they used John Fox to sort of get back to normal. But they were, they were dull. They were stale. And then he came in and invigorated them in 2018. But I'd go to something that happened over the last couple of weeks. I've been saying all along that the offense had to improve. Even at 5-1, and one, if they improved, they were contenders. What's happened is the defense has improved. The defense, who couldn't stop the run for the first six weeks of the year, just shut down Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook in back-to-back weeks. Now, are we going to credit Matt Nagy with that? Because I'm kind of past the point now where I'm giving Nagy bonus points for things I don't think he had anything to do with. So Matt Nagy's had a singular job since the end of last season. A singular job. Get the offense fixed. They spent a ton of money on the coaching staff. They went and picked their players. They got their quarterback to fill in should Mitch fail. None of it has worked. None of it. And if you're bringing Matt Nagy back next year and expecting all of a sudden this offense that has been the worst in football over the last two years to suddenly become serviceable, and if again, that being the, the goal being to capitalize on what you have next year with the defense, which would still be good, that would be your only goal, which is to say, we're taking one more shot at this. But I don't think he's earned that shot as the guy running the offense. You can make the argument, eight games over 500 in the regular season, you don't fire that guy. But what do you need to see from his offense to think this is not the guy to usher in a modern offense for this franchise? So quarterback play, Foles is terrible. Trubisky's been terrible. It's been Jim McMahon. Frankly, wasn't very good himself, but he's been the best of the bunch. Cutler has talent, but we know there's a lot of baggage that goes there. So I I got thinking last night, and I was trying to think, because that performance was so bad last night, some of the worst performances I've seen from a Bears quarterback. I I didn't even prep you for this, but Jeff, you're around my age. I think you're a couple years younger than me, but we've seen bad quarterback play. One guy, I thought Peter Tom Willis was going to be great. I did. I, I was young. I love Florida State, even as thought, a, a kid in North I Iowa. McDown. I, I'm with you. I thought Kay McDown, his first couple of games, was yes. fantastic. Yeah. I thought he was going to be terrific. Yeah, they, they brought in the uh, offensive coordinator from BYU. They were chucking it around, all these uh, bubble screens and the like. And 
And he just missed. And I was looking at some numbers last night and just remembering some of the ineptitude that they had. Craig Krenzel started games. Rick Meyer. Krenzel. Jonathan Quinn, who might have been the worst the of the worst. bunch. Henry yeah, Burris. Henry, Henry Burris, 2002, was awful. Yes. Krenzel was, I think, 04. Quinn was a nightmare. Caleb Haney destroyed Jerry Angelo's career. <laughs> I mean, Jerry Angelo it was a year removed from going to the NFC title game, and he gets fired because Caleb Haney couldn't play quarterback. I mean, if you think about what happened in 2011, that, that, that franchise was in a great place. They were in a great place. And what happens? Jay Cutler gets hurt in the middle of the season when they're seven and three. They go to eight and three, and they don't win another game because Caleb Haney couldn't play. And it's been the story of this franchise. We can go name for name. Think about the, the duds that have played quarterback for. I, I go back to being in the building when Mark Tressman uh, benched Jay Cutler for Jimmy Clausen, oh. and thinking to myself, as I sat in the building, people were laughing at the Bears. It was only Bears fans in that building, and they were laughing at the ineptitude. I remember thinking, we've just become so used to this. We've become so accustomed to not having the top quarterback. And I'm looking around this league now, and it's getting very frustrating to see Tua, to see Burrow, to see Herbert, Kyler running around, to see even Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, everybody's life would have been better if you were on the Bears right now. His life would have been better. Mm -hmm. The Bears' life would have been better. I'm just getting tired of seeing this exciting brand of football being played all over the league and this franchise being completely left out of it. But it's been happening my entire life, and I just don't see any light at the end of the horizon where it gets better. Well, the good news is, uh, at least the word from Nagy is he believes, maybe both Trubisky and Foles will be available. If they're both healthy, who do you go with now? Coming off the bye week, do you go back to Trubisky? Yes, a hundred percent. Because what what are you what do you what do you want to see from Foles at this point? This this season, I know it sounds like doomsday. They're five and five. It's not technically over, but it's over. Yeah. We all know it's over. What is the end game for this season? Do you honestly think this offense is going to get them to a Super Bowl where they're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs? What dream world do you have to live in to think this offense can go through a playoff run of three or four games and win them? It's not possible. I'm not saying play Mitch to see what you have there either. We know what you have there. He's not any good. But if anything, he's a more entertaining football player. Let him run around. He won't because he's scared of being hurt, and rightfully so. He's hurt all the time. Let him run around. Let him make some plays. I have a column that's coming out tomorrow basically saying this team has become a bore. Every game is predictable. They do the same exact thing every week. The only thing that's different these last few weeks as opposed to the first few weeks is they're not making big plays at the end to win the game and then holding on for survival. They, they, every game is exactly the same. I could have written down last night how that would, how that would play out. Why not put the guy on the field who's a little more interesting to look at and try to entertain people? Because right now, all you're getting as a Bears fan from the rest of this season is maybe one or two games that entertain you. Nothing else is coming out of this that's positive. And I think if this thing continues to fall down the cliff and this offense continues to look like this, we will be back where we have been for decades. In late November, early December, looking at who is going to be the quarterbacks in this draft. And I don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired of being in this position. I'm tired of calling my friends around the league and going, hey, what do you think of Kyle Trask? It's like, <laughs> this is where 
this is where this franchise always seems to end up. So I think they'll put Trubisky back out there just because he's more entertaining. But the likelihood of him surviving the rest of the season is not, not good anyway. No. So you're probably going to see both guys again. You won't see Trubisky next year. Foles' contract is what it is. He'll be back, hopefully, in a backup role to some kid who's starting. But, yeah, no, I, I think they'll turn back to Trubisky just because I don't know what you gain by continuing to play Foles. One uh, final thing. We uh, talked weeks ago, Allen Robinson, he was looking for a contract extension. That never came. And did you see his agent last night was uh, tweeting up a storm looking for number 12 to get the ball and a whole bunch of other things there. Allen Robinson, any chance at all that the Bears are even going to be able to re-sign him even if they wanted to after the season? I think money talks to these guys. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've said that many times. These guys will sign wherever the money is. And my question with Allen Robinson is not whether or not he wants to sign with the Bears, but whether or not that even makes a ton of sense for the Bears right now. Sure. Are you really in a position? First of all, is this GM going to continue to be the GM? And if he's not going to be the GM next year, you can't be giving out extensions to players because you can't be saddling the next GM with a $100 million wide receiver that may not fit what he wants at the position. So I, I think they've got to be careful with doing anything especially in season, but even next year. Um, is it, does it make sense for the franchise to even have this guy? And listen, Allen Robinson's a very good player. Do I think he's a $100 million wide receiver? I don't. I see him lose a lot of 50-50 balls. He lost another one last night that got knocked out of his hands. The separation's not always there with him. Yes, he's getting some of the worst quarterback play in the league, and so we can't truly evaluate what he is as a player. But they are not in a position right now to be extending him for a long period of time because I just don't think they know as a franchise who's going to be leading this ship come the end of this season. And until they know that, they've got to be, they've got to be somewhat careful. Good stuff. Hey, Jeff. Well, a bye week now in front of us. Enjoy your weekend without having to worry about watching the Bears, all right? I just, can they stop putting them on prime time? I don't want my friends watching them. It's like, I feel embarrassed about this. Like, my friends texting me, hey, why are you calling running plays on second and ten? I'm not the one doing it. I don't know. Go back to Sunday at one and let them hide in the early slot where nobody can see them play. Thanksgiving weekend, Sunday night football, Bears Packers. Enjoy. <sighs> Sorry, Jeff. All right, Trent. Have a good one. Take care. Jeff Hughes to Bears Blog. You can find Jeff there. Always entertaining talking with Jeff. We're going to take a quick timeout. College Hoops on the horizon. We'll talk to Rob Doster. He'll join us next as we take you till noon talking the world of sports. I'm Miller and Cotton, 1460 KXNO. Work today. As we finish up our number one, Miller and Condon on KXNO. Trent running solo today, but joining me right now, getting into college basketball. He is Rob Doster, longtime guest here. And Rob, I uh, heard last week you stepping out on me. You're joining Murph and Andy here on KXNO. What's up with that? Well, I heard that you were going solo and I was going to be able to talk to uh, to Ken Miller anymore. So I decided, uh, you know what, I, I can't do this. Uh, you know, Trent, he's he's been a little bit... You know he hasn't been on his game recently, so I got to I got to you know keep him on his toes and, and make sure that he knows. Like I expect greatness every single time I come on this radio show. So uh, I have 
a high level of expectation for you on this interview right now. Well, I appreciate that. And you went to the A team. Thanks for hanging out here on the C team with us. But we'll uh, we'll we'll make it work. All right. Before we get into the nuts and bolts, you're, what's you're going never on? you're never on my you're never on my feet. Let's look at that. Let's look at that straight. You're well, an A team to me. When, when we hoop it up at the next Final Four, you'll see I definitely deserve on the C team. But but hopefully, well, if, if not in 2021, maybe 2022, we'll make that work. Rob, uh, before we get in the nuts and bolts, what's going on? Indianapolis, the home looks like for the NCAA tournament, all of it. Greg Marshall, Iowa in the preseason pub, on and on and on. What you're doing, which is really, really cool. I'm, of course, waiting to see you know that Iowa Hawkeye podcast, maybe hosted by, well, if not a Hawkeye, great. I think you know a pretty big Hawkeye fan that can maybe help you out. But what you're doing with that podcast network, it's a great, great idea and a lot of big-time names involved in it. Yeah, so what we did was we launched a, a network called the Field of 68 Media Network, and we have a whole bunch of national podcasts, and we also have a bunch of team-specific podcasts that are hosted by former players. Like, for example, I just... Uh, I just sat in on an interview with Deion Thomas, the all-time leading scorer at Illinois, talking with Io DeSumo for 25 minutes, which was awesome. We had Wayne Turner and Tony Delk on last night, and all they did was talk about stories from when they were both coached by Rick Pitino, and, and some of those are just absolutely unbelievable. The best parts are the uh, the stories that you get before we hit the record button, but unfortunately, I don't know if we can uh, we can share all of those. And um, uh, I don't know if it's gonna if we we're going to be able to make it happen, but I was thinking about having. Ken Miller do a, a, an Iowa pod. We'll uh, we'll see if he'll be able to do that. I heard he's a pretty good uh, a pretty good host. But yeah, it's 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 fun, man. It's it's, it's been a lot of work, uh, but you know, I, my time at NBC, I, it was it got to the point where I needed something to change, and it wasn't my decision to make that change. But for the first time in a while, like I'm I'm doing stuff that actually feels rewarding and that I'm actually enjoying doing. And instead of feeling like, oh man, I got to go work right now, it's like, all right, when am I going to get a chance to get back to my computer so I can finish editing these and I can get this ready to go and I can make this thing ready to go for YouTube and I can get this ready to go for us to stream and I got to get this podcast done and make this graphic. So it feels nice to be fulfilled by the job that I'm doing again. And it's been a while since I felt that way. Well, there's going to be a change at Wichita State. Greg Marshall resigning today. Contract settlement, $7.75 million. Cook Brothers, they can find that in their couch cushions. But the decision that's handed down, I don't think a surprise by any means, as what we've seen in the allegations that were handed out from former players here. But Wichita, the program that we saw go from really a perennial underachiever for such a long time, going back to the Turgeon days. But what Marshall built it into, Final Four, a move up from the MVC to the American Athletic Conference. What's next in your mind for Wichita? Man, you know, first and foremost, can we just talk about the fact that he got $7.75 million to resign? It's just, it's baffling. We have to fight tooth and nail to be able to get college athletes any opportunity to, to be able to profit off of their name and likeness, right? The concept of amateurism, we had, we've been fighting for decades to get this thing overturned and make it right in the college basketball ranks. And we always hear about how there's not enough money, and we can't do this, and we can't do that. We can't afford it. But you can't afford to pay a coach that punched a player in the back of the head and that choked an assistant, and that was an abusive, uh, insert cuss word here, for the last five or six years of his reign over that program, and he gets $8 million to walk away. We can find $8 million to give him to resign because they're too scared to fire him 
because they don't want to run into a situation where he might end up, uh, you know, talking about the fact that the university overlooked the fact that he was an abusive insert cuss word here for the last five or six years. So it's frustrating to no end, and it, it angers me to no end that we are in this position where you have a coach that was doing these things and gets $8 million to work away. I'll give you another example. Uh, Kevin Ollie won a national title at UConn, was a former player that helped launch that program to what it ended up being. By all accounts and by all means, he should be a guy that the University of Connecticut basketball program should celebrate. He committed a couple of minor NCAA violations. It got him fired and with cause, which means he wasn't able to get the money that he was contractually owed by the university. All he did was commit a couple of, of random violations, like a workout thing here and a practice thing here, and um, nothing that was nothing that would even get UConn like, like suspended from the NCAA tournament or get them to uh, to have to face any kind of violations or any kind of, 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 of recruiting, whatever it was. It was the most minor things you could possibly think of, and he is not going to get the money that was con- contractually owed to him. And Greg Marshall gets seven point seven five million dollars to walk away. For punching a player and soaking the assistant, it's it's infuriating, and it's it's everything that's wrong with the college system, and it's everything that's wrong with college coaching, and it's just uh, you know I could not I, I could not think any less of that university at this point. They just uh, I don't think that they handled this the right way any step of the way. You have to suspend Greg Marshall as soon as these reports come out, and when you go through the investigation, you have to be able to find a way to fire him with cause when you have a player on the record saying that he punched him in practice. It just, I don't know. I had to get that right out. I'm sorry. No, no, no problem right at all. That's why we have you on. He's Rob Doster joining us here talking college basketball. Big news from yesterday. It came out in a press release. None of you guys were able to break the news beforehand. I know it had been bandied about, but the decision by the NCAA for the men's basketball tournament, all moving it to one location, all signs point to it being Indianapolis would be a huge upset. If it isn't there, final couple of minutes, Rob, but your thoughts on this, certainly on the surface, makes a lot of sense. I, I think it's something that had to be done. You know, the, the best way to make a college basketball season happen is to limit any kind of risk limit any kind of exposure that you're going to get to people um, outside of whatever kind of bubble-ish uh, situations that we can create. The best way to do it is to limit travel. The best way to do it is to limit fan exposure um, in these arenas. You know, you want to be able to keep these players separated from the public as large as much as possible. And the best way to do it in this situation for the NCAA tournament is to keep everything in the same area. Don't fly all around the country. Don't have to deal with all these different hotels. Keep them in the same place and and keep them using the same bus and the same locker room and all that. I think that this is just a brilliant idea. And uh, the way that I, I hope that this ends up going is that they'll basically create, like, different pods, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just say that you're using uh, the University of Indiana, right? And you have eight teams that are going to end up playing there. You put them all in the same hotel. You keep them all on different floors, Right. And then you go to the games and you have them all scheduled out so that they get different practice times at Assembly Hall throughout the day. Now, it gets a little bit complicated when you have to play games on some days and some of those teams are looking to practice on those days. But there are enough high school gyms in the state of Indiana where you can find a way to make that work. So um, I do think that it's best. It's, it's the smartest way to do this and it's going to have a very like AAU tournament vibe. So while it's going to be different than what 
the, the NCAA tournament is and what we've become accustomed to, I think that there's a chance that this could be like a very unique experience. You know, we saw it with the NBA bubble, right? Like it's not like playing in the regular NBA playoffs, but the level of competition was ratcheted up because you just had all these dudes like in one gym playing against each other and it was nothing but ball and nothing but competitiveness. And I think that we'll get that in the NCAA tournament as well. Rob, we got five seconds. I know you got a ticket on Illinois 50 to one. Give us one that we can get right now. Uh, you got to go get Duke 13 to one. I think that's the best value you can find. All right. There he is. Rob Dostner. Rob, appreciate it as always. Rob Doster joining us, his new podcast network. A big thank you to him. Hour in the books, hour.